Welcome, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Jim Coughlin, and I don't even know where to begin. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? Great, Lisa. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's such a pleasure. It almost feels like the tables are turned. It's usually you interviewing me for your lovely show. That's right. We're going to talk about a few things here, and we're going to just kind of, uh, this is just going to be open and raw and real conversation. Um, so Jim and I met some time ago, and he does a show for uh, Club VMS, which focuses on um, staffing and industry trends and things like that, but that's not what we're talking about today. Through that journey, what I found out was a whole other side to Jim, which really is around wellness and being in yoga and the practice of healthy mindfulness. So, um, Jim, take it away. Tell us what we need to know. The average person that doesn't practice, let's say that doesn't practice yoga, that works out and wants to be healthy and wants to have a good state of mind, where, where would they even start? Well, I don't even know where I'm starting, so we'll try to take it from there. First of all, thanks for having me on. Yes, um, health and wellness and yoga. And uh, I started my journey a long time ago, as we all have. And, uh, you know, everybody has their story of health and wellness and fitness because we live in a body. And I guess I'll just start there. It's like, we, you know, we come into the world and we go out of the world in a sack of skin with bones stuffed in it. And who knows how it's, what shape it's going to take. And we get injured along the way, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And the, the practice of yoga, there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. And we could talk about that, but I'm passionate about the, the art, the science and the practice of yoga, which at the core at the root of it means coming together mm. coming like we're coming together now it's a, yeah. it's a connection it's it means connection or union some people define it as union but it really means a connection with your deepest sense of self so that you you know as socrates says know yourself so that you get a better understanding of who you are in every aspect for not just the name on the driver's license you know and the you know, the picture on the LinkedIn profile, but really at the cellular level in your heart, in your mind, in your gut, you know, who you are and what you're about. So that's why I practice the art and science of yoga as I do. I'd be glad to go into any aspect of that. You can just cue me on from there. Oh, perfect. And I think that's a really important um, point because not a lot of people understand the, at least I did until I learned from you, there is that deep connection um, in your nervous system, in your cellular system, and really being present with what you're doing and your mindful thought. And it's not, I think oftentimes what happens is people go through a routine of things, right? Okay, I'm going to go do, let's say, yoga or Pilates or whatever your choice of exercise is. But yeah. are they really connecting and being present in that practice? And I think that's what differs here. Yeah, yeah and exactly. And beyond that, why would you even want to be conscious of what you're doing? There's got to be a good reason. And I like to bring it back to the pragmatic. And I'll share a, a study that was done. I'll share this with you. It was out of the University of Ohio. They were trying to find out if yoga 
practiced mindfully really benefits or is stretching just the same, mm. okay? Now, dig this. This was the test that they did. I love these researchers because they do crazy tests. They took you know, a, a sampling of 60 women, all with the same you know, diet and age group and everything, and they took 30 of them and they had them do yoga for six weeks, the kind of yoga that I practice, which we'll talk about. Okay. And they had them do yoga for every day for six weeks. And they had the other group of 30 women do something like yoga, but not really. They were kind of stretching and watching TV in the gym, you know, and kind of not really being mindful about it, not really with themselves. So same group of people, 30, 30. This group did yoga, this group didn't. Then the test they did, here you go. They put an IV in their arms, uh. put an IV in their arms to take their blood chemistry, to measure their blood chemistry. And they had them with their feet in cold water doing math tests with a pencil and no calculator. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So they put them in a stressful environment. Right. So imagine your feet in ice water and you're having to do math problems with a pencil, no calculator, no iPhone. And, and all the time they're getting your blood samples. And what they found, this is documented, what they found was that the stress levels in the yoga group was less than the other stress group. Mm. And, and how was that measured through, were they looking the at the cells chemistry. in the blood? They looked at the blood chemistry from when they put their feet in the water to when they were doing the test and wow. they, they, they tracked it at the same time. And they said, this group, their stress hormone is way down. This group, their stress hormone just shot up because, you know, you, and we all experience this like when you, when a, uh, you know, you're, you're driving and you see somebody's car pull out of the driveway and you got to stop really quick or you see a kid's ball roll out and you, you're, your, your body creates an emotion, a chemical reaction. That's just one flood of chemicals. It's adrenaline, right? right. Adrenaline flow, we're all familiar with that. But your body produces a, a myriad of chemicals and enzymes all the time based upon your state of mind. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we could talk more about that. And the type of yoga that I practice, um, my dad, I was, I was a young boy once. I know it's hard to ah. believe that. I was a young boy. Really young boy. I was a young boy. It was, I, I grew up in Marin County in the San Francisco Bay Area, kind of hippieville. And uh, it was 1968. Wow. I was 10 years old. So that gives you the math. And my dad handed me this book. Now, he didn't give me this exact book, but it was a, it was a first edition. This is like the 30th edition. The book, Light on Yoga, there you can see it there, was yeah. written in 1966 by this guy, BKS Iyengar. And I looked at it. Now, a 10-year-old boy in uh, California is looking at stuff like this. Right. You know, and I, I couldn't believe the poses this guy was doing and mm -hmm. all these crazy configurations about it. It was like a, a circus freak, right? Mm -hmm. And I looked at it. And... My dad taught me how to do headstand that day when I was 10 years old. So he taught me how to stand on my head like this, right? And so that, that's amazing. So was your father, did he practice yoga or? He didn't, but he had, uh, it's interesting. The story was he had a uh, uh, slip disc in his back. You know, everybody has back problems. Mm -hmm. He had surgery and the doctor at that time gave him the book and said, you should practice yoga to heal your back. And my dad, I was 10, he was 40, my dad. It turns out when I turned 40, I had back problems and I had to have surgery on my back and I used yoga to 
treaty. You know, I'm 63 now. I can do anything that I could do at any age of my life almost, right? Oh, so, I, and, and you, I've, I know you've had your own studio for over 30 years and I've seen some of your poses on Facebook and you're stretching yeah. and I, I couldn't do them. I can't, I'm not. Well, that well, 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 hold on, hold on. Thank you. And, uh, and, you know, it's not about the pose, but it's about what happens in the pose. And you want to put at the end of that statement, I can't do it. You want to just add the word yet. Yeah. Yet. Yet. And you may never do it, but you can't do it yet. The idea with the, with the practice is that, you know, I just showed a bunch of crazy ass poses, right? Yeah. And he's, he was the master. It's like, it's not about that. It's about everybody's living in, like I said at the beginning, a sack of skin and bones and blood and muscle and sinew and, and emotion and all your, your baggage you've taken with you through the years. It's, it's how can you find peace in that? Yes. Okay. And so one pose, one, you know, asana means pose, a yoga asana. One pose could just be sitting with your feet on the ground with your back straight and your hands on your palms and lowering your eyelids so that they rest as lightly as your lips are touching and remove your tongue from the top of the mouth and just notice your breath for a moment. Just mindfully watching your breath, not trying to change it, not trying to improve it, not trying to criticize it, judge it, It has an amazing effect on your body and your mind. I'll give you another, another, I'm going to jump in here because you got me on a roll now. Yeah, go, go. let's do it. There's a, a woman in San Francisco, her name is Elizabeth Blackburn. She won the Nobel Prize, I think, in 2010 for her research on the health of your DNA and your cells. She discovered an enzyme that the mind produces when you do exactly what I just said that actually heals the, the ends of the DNA so they don't unravel. Mm. Okay? And they're called telomeres. They're like little caps on the, on the end of a pipe, right? Like on a toilet paper roller, if you put caps on the end of it. Like right? protects it. Yeah, right, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it protects it, it protects it. And you can actually create the environment in your body to heal your cells. It's not something that you, you, you can't say, okay, I'm gonna heal my cells now. But what you can say is I'm gonna sit up straight watch my breath and anytime my mind wanders and I notice it wandered because it thinks about things. It thinks about the job, the interview I got to do, the grocery list, the PG&E bill I didn't pay. Is the moment you notice that mind's wandered, you bring it back to, I'm inhaling, I'm exhaling, I'm in, and you stay there. And if you could do that two minutes a day, every day for the rest of your life, you'll probably add years to your life. You'll add health to your cells. And this woman got the Nobel Prize in Medicine for that. That is amazing. Nobel Prize for Medicine around, and there's a whole industry around, um, uh, you know, you know, like the 23andMe chromosome stuff, finding out, you know, who your relatives are. They can also check your telomere length. That's that's the cap on the end of your DNA and how much telomerase you have in your system, and you can create that without going to a gym, without paying a membership, without right without finding a guru, going to Himalayas, by just sitting quietly and taking a time out every day. You know, it's really around your um, mind, body, soul connection. 
if yeah. all of those are connected in, and you're being present in the moment and thoughtful in the moment, you really can probably center yourself a lot better. Um, I think people have a hard time doing that practice because they're so distracted. Well, yeah, and that's the practice itself. Right? Yes. I mean, the, the, the distraction is the playing field. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, yeah. I'm right, I mean, yes. it, it's not like the environment's good. I'm, you know, I, I've taught meditation classes over the years. I've been gone into companies where they say, we want to teach our employees meditation. I go, okay, great, you know. And uh, the joke is, my parents taught me meditation at a very young age as a child because for as long as I can remember and as early as I can remember, they always said to me, Jimmy, sit down and shut up. And that's how you meditate, right? It's a joke, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like you know, people have a difficulty meditating because they're thinking about meditating where all you need to do is just sit. Yeah, and just be. Well, and that's kind of uncomfortable, right? Because yeah what comes what what bubbles up to the surface are are issues unresolved issues right you know conflict pain in the body right uh, uh angst about what ha hasn't been done what needs to get done so the yoga is really for most people see it as the body i want to get fit i want to get toned muscles gosh you're so flexible it's for the mind mm -hmm. It's for the mind and the mind is the problem, right? Because the mind says, I can't, I don't want to, I shouldn't, I should, I, I'm not sure, I'm doubt, right? Because it's a, it's a, it's a dualistic mind, mm -hmm. meaning it's talking to you all the time. So there's somebody talking and there's somebody listening. So there's going to be conflict when that happens. Right. The, only, the only way it gets quiet is if just for a moment, you don't listen to it. Right. Now that sounds simple, but it's not easy to do because right. you have to sit and the voice comes in like, it's kind of like a child. Mommy, mommy, can I have a cookie? Mommy, mommy, look at what Johnny's doing. Mommy, mommy. That's what your mind's like, right? It's like a yeah. little obnoxious little child. And mommy, mommy. And you have to go, just a minute, dear. I'll be with you in five minutes and go back to the inhale, the exhale. And the mommy, mommy, mommy of the voice of the mind will get quieter and quieter and quieter. And it takes practice and you know that's that's the thing it's practice it's you gotta you gotta be willing to just sit and do it everybody's got two minutes you can't say you don't absolutely. have time to meditate and and it's a it's it, absolutely a discipline and i'm do you how long so how long would that take so if someone let's say i start this tomorrow um is there a period of time like is it because you know you form habits in 21 days usually right that sounds great yeah here's Here's, here's how I start my day. I roll out of bed and I meditate. Mm -hmm. It's the first thing I do. Not, I'm going to get around to it. Because, you know, you wake up. I used to wake up. I didn't always do this. I used to wake up and think, oh, what's my day like? Where am I? What did I eat last night? What am I going to eat this morning? What am I going to wear? Well, I wonder what the weather's like, you know? Yeah. I, wonder, I, I got to check CNN, my email, the news stream. I wonder what my stock's doing, right? The mind starts going. Yes. So the first thing I do when I get up is, okay, crowd in my head, hold on a second. Yeah. I'll be with you in a moment. And I just sit down and just watch my breath. Five breaths, 10 breaths, That's great. 30 seconds, two minutes. And then I get up and I go through my day. And then maybe at noon, I do the same thing. I stop. 
do nothing, just watch my breath. And at first you feel silly, you feel uncomfortable, you wonder if somebody's watching you. That's the mind again talking to you, right? But the more you do it, you know, and, and nobody knows the answer of how long, right? Could be yeah. the moment all of a sudden, and you're not gonna see colors and lights or hit epiphany, but, but you'll notice if you practice a little bit every day, not a lot. You don't have to sit for an hour and meditate. I'll give you another story about this, but just a little bit, but frequently every day, maybe twice a day, what will happen is you'll notice you, you won't be as disturbed. You, things won't bother you as much. You'll feel pretty good. You'll feel pretty happy. You won't be anxious. You'll think clear. You'll see problems. You'll, you'll solve things different. And, it, and the meditation's like this. If you had a house plant, mm -hmm. by a house plant, a diffenbachia, a yeah. fern, okay? And if, you know, they don't need much water. They need about, you know, a tablespoon of water every day. If you did that, a tablespoon of water every day, for a year, that plant would be healthy. But if you took that same amount of water and put it in a bucket for a month, didn't water the plant for a month, and then took 30 tablespoons of water and put it on the plant, the plant wouldn't be able to absorb it. It would die. Right. Meditation's the same way. So don't expect that you're going to sit down for 30 minutes a day and meditate if you've never done it. Right. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. I've, and don't even try. Just, just be. That's what I've heard. That's how you start. 30 seconds, a minute. Yeah. Two minutes. Two minutes is a lot. Two minutes a day. Yeah. You do two minutes a day. That's an hour in a month. That's more than you've done in the last month. <laughs> and look at that. <laughs> exactly. And look at the health benefit. I mean, because I, I, one thing I do have to say is um, every time I have spoken with you or um, we've done a show together, you're always upbeat and happy and at peace. So, yeah. You know, and I don't, it's, it's definitely not an act. Well, and I, don't, well, and I, mean, I, I think that's I, really you. Yeah, thanks. I used to be a drug addict, right? I mean, I used to use chemicals to get that feeling, right? But then they had bad side effects, right? Right. So I stopped all that a lot of years ago. And now I do this. And this is a great drug. Yeah. Life and connection with yourself and knowing where your breath comes from and goes to and knowing that you can, you can recreate your energy any moment, right? That feels pretty good. That, I'm high on that. And there's no side effects. Yes. There's no side effects. The side effects are all good. Side effects yes. are all good. And, and you affect people around you from your energy because yeah. the vibration's much higher. So you're actually healing other people, whether you know it or not. That's good. I hope so. Yeah. That's good. I mean, are you know, feel healed? Heal. I'm healed. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, we're, we're healed. We're, we're all going to leave here and healed you yeah. know what would be super interesting going back to the study with the ucsf doctor have you ever um done a test to see what what did you call them Te i don't want to miss telomeres p-e-l-e-m-o-r-e-s telomeres yeah have you ever tested yourself at a point in time and then retested yourself to see the improvement n yes and no i took one test where they ask they find out what your real chemical age is and mine was exactly what my age was i had another friend who's a yoga teacher she was she's 60 years old you know she was born 60 years ago but the test said she was 65. oh interesting and her 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 dna's appears a little older however they measure that i didn't go back and recheck it um 
you know, it's, it's, uh, what's important is the, the, the perceived age inside, how I feel inside, mm. right? How I feel during the day. When you go for a walk, do you feel like you're 63 or do you feel like you're 23? Right. right? Are you shuffling or are you walking? Well, yeah. Right. Do I have energy? Am I, there's a vitality that, that comes with this practice of yoga. And that's what we do in the, so, you know, this, this, I mean, this guy, he passed away a couple of years ago. He lived to 97. His teacher lived to 101. Right. And, uh, he started yoga, Mr. Iyengar. I practice Iyengar style yoga. He practiced, uh, he started yoga. He was 12 years old in India mm. in 1930 suffering from typhoid now imagine india in 1930 what the health conditions were like and a kid has typhoid the odds are he's not going to make it till third to 13 years old he's 12 right. right and he lived till 97 and he practiced yoga every day because he learned from this master and it's a it's a tradition it's a you know and there's a lot of marketing around it now there's yoga mats and lululemon and clothes and hot yoga and i do this and that and that's all good if it gets people in but the practice of yoga has has spiritual principles, you know, not spiritual that it's a religion or anything. It right. goes before a religion. But, you know, there's there's things like and it's all Sanskrit language. There's ahimsa, which means non-harming. There's satya, which means truthfulness in your speech. There's santosha, which is all about contentment, being content with what you have. So there's 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 universal principles that are the practice. There's the asana that's the practice, the poses, so that, you know, your body's ready to handle more energy, right? You got to build it up to handle the energy. There's the the conscious of noticing the breath that's called pranayama. There's noticing the breath, not trying to control it, not trying to manipulate, but noticing the subtlety of the breath. You breathe all day without you knowing it, mm -hmm. especially when you're asleep. And can you watch how the breath moves? Because in the yoga philosophy, the mind, the, the quality and the health of the mind is intricately tied to the quality of your breath. Because consciousness rides on this vibration of, my, I lost my hand, breathing up and down, this breathing, right? Because we breathe from the beginning to the end, you know? Yeah. Right. So, so this is the practice of, uh, and anybody can do this, but you know, there's got to be some motivation and willingness and yeah, interest. Yeah. And usually what brings people to yoga is pain and suffering. It does. Yeah. I, I would totally agree with that. And you know what, it really should, it really should be taught at school. There's so many things that I think if we, I was um, interviewing a couple different authors. One wrote a, child, a few children's books and one does a lot of motivational um, mindset type workshops with women. And the reason for all of this, right, is because they're suffering when they're adults, when we could stop all of that if we just started teaching them some of the principles. I mean, they already took away all the arts out of the school. Yeah. Start teaching some of these principles. They still have gym, so replace gym with mindful, you know, thought. Um, I think we would have a much better humanity. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, perfect world, right? I mean, we right. all you know, pick daisies and eat, you know, honey. Out we can make the change, Jim. I'm telling you, we can do it. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting because pain brings pain. A good friend of mine, 
and it's been written is pain is this touchstone for all spiritual growth, right? Mm -hmm. So you're in enough pain, you're going to do something. Yes. But if you're not in pain, everything's kind of okay, but it's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm thinking about yoga, but I don't know, I'll just sit on the couch and watch Netflix. I mean, I get it. I do that, right? So you got to be in a lot of, you don't have to, you don't have to be, but people come to me and us, my wife teaches as well. You know, she started the studio actually, Downtown Yoga. Um, people come to that, our practice, because they're recovering from an injury or an illness or they had cancer or they had surgery or their knee blew out or they got back pain or they're overweight. And the common theme is, you know, they may not say it, but it's, I got to do something. Mm -hmm. you know? And that, and that, you know, uh, you know, exercise or a gym isn't going to work anymore. They got to find something that's going to pull them back together, which is again, we come back to the root of the word yoga, which means connection, pulling it together. I got to pull myself together. I'm feeling, you know, out of sorts. We say that and I'm feeling out of sorts. I'm feeling like I'm carrying too much baggage, right? These are not uh, fly by night statements. They're from a deep level of consciousness. They're like, I've got to get, I got to get my poop in a group, right? I got to get my stuff together. Right. I got to connect. So, and, and you can start anytime and you can do it anytime. It's totally the information's there. In, and in fact, when you were talking about kids, this guy's teacher was a guy named Krishnamacharya who actually taught kids in, in 10, 11, 12, 13 year old boys, the calisthenics that oh, wow. is now a lot of what the yoga is today in a lot of the gyms for the, for the, uh, King of Mysore at the Mysore Palace. You know, India used to be the Raj system and there were kings of, you know. And so he taught little boys, you know, calisthenics and yoga. And that's where Mr. Ayengar got it. He was 12 when he worked with him. It was actually his father-in-law. So there's a whole tradition in it and a whole story. And it's just, it's great. Yoga is great. Everybody should do yoga. Everyone should do it. And you, um, so there was a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about. One was um, since closing your you moved and yeah. closed down your studio makes sense um yeah uh, but you also offer classes yeah yeah so we had a, a nice gig in pleasanton california in the san francisco bay area we were an award-winning yoga studio for over 20 years you mentioned 30 but it was really 20 years right. and uh and in fact, prior to opening that studio, my wife actually founded and developed the yoga program at Stanford University as part of their curriculum. That's where it actually started with her. So I got to give her credit. But, you know, COVID happened and we had we had over 600 students that would come, you know, hundreds of people a day. You know, we had 50 classes a week, wow. class <coughs> two rooms. We had 20 other teachers working with us. It was a big enterprise. We were we were busy and packed and then COVID hit on March 13th was our last class in the physical space. You know, and you know, you didn't know it was going to happen. Okay. Are we going to be closed for two weeks, you know, till April, till May. And then it kept getting extended and we, we had to keep our student body going. So we started doing zoom classes, which isn't the best, but if it's all you got, you do it. Right. You make so, the most. Yeah. yeah. You make the most, but it's hard because it's two dimensional. You can't see three dimensional. In fact, this whole time you haven't seen the back of my head. So I'll show it to you. There it is. Okay. Right? It's just, you can't, it's, uh. it's two dimensional. So, so it's hard to give, you know, suggestions or adjustments. You can't really see the teacher. The teacher can't really see the student. 
you know, but you work with it. You do your best you can. And uh, starting March, uh, this year in March, we started pre-recording classes and we have a library now of over 250 classes. People can access for, you know, like renting a video on, you know, Netflix, $2.99 a class. And we do live stream classes where we can actually interact with the students on it. And we do that every day. We still do 20 classes a week. And we so, still do teacher training and advanced yoga studies training. And uh, so the, the practice isn't going to see. Here's the thing. The world could end and I'd still be practicing yoga. Exactly. Yeah. It's what I do. It's just, yeah. it's just it, 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 it feeds my soul. It feeds my body. It feeds me. It keeps me young. I love it. And uh, so and if anybody wants to join in on that, great. Come along. You know, we'll yeah. go so how, do, how would someone join in on that? Oh my God. Great. You're really, you're really asking me this. So Pleasanton, P-L-E-A-S-A-N-T-O-N, Pleasanton, like the town, yoga.com, pleasantonyoga.com. You just go on that. You can see our pre-recorded classes. You can see our live stream classes. You can jump in on the class if you want. I'll send you the Zoom link when you register for the class. You just go on and join. All right. And you don't have to be fit. You don't have to have the right clothes. You don't even have to have your video open when we're doing a live class. You can turn it off and just watch me. And just no. do it. Yeah. And just do it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll Got make sure I that. 5.45 tonight, 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. I teach in the mornings. So, yeah. And, you know, another thing I wanted to ask you was you traveled to India, correct? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, a, a few, yeah. so tell us about that. Why? When did you first go and so uh, so this is where the the two uh, gigs that I have tie together. So going back to how we met, I was in the staffing world, recruiting and staffing. I was working for a company at the time called Foundation Systems, and the owner, Janine Paris, who I work with now. Oh, it, I didn't know that's where you started. Which I love her. Janine said. Hey, Jim, I got this idea. I want to hire recruiters offshore in India, and I want you to go and build the office. And I thought she was crazy to do that, but I was willing to take the job and have her pay for my trip to India in hopes that I could find some yoga teacher there and experience India, right? And right. so from 2005 till 2008, for those three and a half years, I went to India 15 times. I'd fly out there for two weeks train recruiters. And I worked at night. I worked from nine at night till six in the morning because that's exactly opposite of what Correct. West Coast is, right? Yeah. And I did that. I'd go for two weeks there. I'd come home for two months. I'd go for two weeks. I'd come home for two months, you know, and try to try to work remote because I couldn't be a full expat. But while I was there, I met this guy. Oh my God. And I met a teacher that this guy trained, who's a very senior teacher, who's now a very good friend of mine. He's a master yoga teacher. He's my teacher. I used to fly him out to the West Coast and I used to manage his tour around the United States. And what I would do when I was in India uh, for those three years, I'd go to work with our call center from nine at night till five in the morning. At five in the morning, my driver would take me back to my hotel. I'd shower, I'd put on my yoga clothes, and I'd go to the yoga studio, and I'd be in the 6 a.m. class till 9 a.m. in the morning. Oh, and wow. so I did three hours every day, yoga practice, and that really busted me up. I mean, 
you know, that opened me up, that banged me up. You know, I learned a lot of what to do, but more than what not to do. And it was uh, life changing. And, uh, you know, and then at nine o'clock in the morning, I have dinner, breakfast and go to bed and then wake up at, you know, five in the afternoon and go back to work. Right. It was like, that was my day. And I did that for three years. And so during that three years, I just had intensive work with this master yoga teacher and went all around, saw the temples and did all that, you know, and did all the pujas and, the, you know, all that. But it was really the practice in a, in a real, uh, you know, teacher student setting was great. Was, yeah. What an opportunity. It was awesome. And it was all paid for by Janine. So it was great. I know. She's always been a trailblazer. I mean, she's always been one of my, I mean, I just love her. I met her in New York. It must've been about eight years ago. And uh, you, you can tell, like, she's always very forward thinking. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She is. Great. So that's my story. I'm sticking with Now, when are we going to get you on the map? Are we going to do that soon? Yeah. I'm going to join one of your classes. All right. Well, yeah. I'll send you the link and you can come on anytime and I'd love to have it. And, uh, yeah. So yeah it, that's, that's what it's about. What more can I answer? What is it? You said you had another question. Uh, um, the other question was, I was going to talk to you about India. We did that. And then you, you, you have some tattoos. I got ink. I yeah, got ink. You got ink. You got, you got ink? Um, I don't, but that doesn't don't mean I won't. No. So, you know yeah. why? I'll tell you why I don't have ink because I haven't found anything that is meaningful enough that I want to put on my body yet. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. I'm just when it, when I, I'll know when I know. How well, is no, that? No. Yes. We're, we're, I think we're getting close. Yeah. Maybe after your classes, I'm going to come up with some amazing, you know. Maybe that LQ over your head you put somewhere like over oh, your God, shoulder. that would be horrible. I got these tattoos late in life. Uh, this one says, this one is in Sanskrit. It's a yoga sutra. So there's, there's 196 yoga sutras, which are the, the instruction of yoga. It's 2000 years old. And this one happens to say something to the effect of constant practice of detachment is what's going to clear mm -hmm. your mind. I, I Basically let go, you know, let go and you'll be okay. And the other one is, uh, uh, and if any Indian people are on the call, they'll recognize that. It says, Om Namah Shivaya. Shiva is <clears throat> one of the holy trinity of India, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, there's Brahma, Shiva, and Vishnu. They're kind of like Huey, Dewey, and Louie, the Father, mm -hmm. Son, and Holy Ghost, or Molary and Curly, right? There's always three. Always. So Sh Shiva is the Lord of Yoga, also the Lord of Dance, also the destroyer right so you know and what he destroys is there's a depiction of shiva i probably have one around here somewhere there's a depiction of shiva where he's dancing in a ring of fire and he's standing on a baby okay it's like, wow. so you look at that and you go what is that okay. right yeah what the hell what the hell is that <laughs> and the baby is symbolic of ignorance and so he's squashing out ignorance is what he's doing when he's stepping on the baby. Because when we're ignorant, we're like, I don't like that. You know, we're babies, right? Right, so exactly. And there's a lot of ignorance in the world. Yeah, I mean, let's, you're looking, let's you're be looking, real. You're looking at it, looking at it right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great story. Okay, so we're so I'm going to make my friends take the class too. Because... Uh, 
they're not doing anything and they need to do something because they're just sitting at home and that's just wasteful. But I love the whole idea of the detachment because I think that's a large part of people suffering is detaching from the mind. Yeah. And, I, and tools to do that, coping mechanisms that allow you to do that. I don't think people know how to do that. And therapy isn't the, I mean, therapy, I'm not a big on therapy. I think it's okay for some people, but I don't think it gets you where you need to be. I still do here, but look, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, who said it best? It's, it's a lonely path, right? Yeah. It's a, well, Krishnamurthy, he said, it's a truth is a pathless land. Mm. You go at it on your own. You can, nobody can take you on it. Somebody can show you, this is the path I took, but that may not be your path, right? Exactly. And, and, um, we were talking about something I lost my train of thought. It's, 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 detachment from your mind. Detachment, yeah. It's 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 this um, this good friend of mine who was a spiritual teacher too for me. He said, "Jim, I have two types of days: good days and days that don't go my way." Mm. Think about that. So, meaning, you know, if everything goes my way, I'm going to have a good day, which is all about expectations, yeah. right? And if things don't meet my expectations, I have a bad day. Is the day bad? Or is it my expectations that I place upon it determine what how I respond to it? Right, right. right? Or it's expectations. So this idea of constantly letting go, it's letting go that, you know, we think, oh, if I if I learn how to meditate and I'm gonna get really healthy and eat vegetarian and whole foods and nothing wrong with that, but I'm gonna do all that. I'm gonna stop drinking and smoking and hanging out with those people that bring me down, and then I'll be great. That's an expectation. You gotta let go of that. Yeah. I, yeah, let go of that. Even you know, many times the 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 goals that we set for ourselves actually create conflict in our being because we set a goal that's not realistic. Uh, is is there's no plan how to achieve it? Uh, we're stressed over it. If we don't make it, then we start to beat ourselves up over it. What the hell is it? With the, we got to let go of that. Yeah, you got You do. It's a, a really around toxicity, and but you have to be aware enough, and you have to be accountable, right? And stop complaining and just do it. Realize there's a problem. That's step one, right? And then figuring it out, and then just, uh, you know, just being very mindful of your environment and who you, who's around you. Well, and realizing there's a problem, and the primary problem is me. Right. Exactly. It starts. Primary problem. The primary right. problem is how I see the world. Mm -hmm. and, and how I see it impacting me and how I see my place in it and who I think I am. It's like, you know, the, somebody asked me the other night, <coughs> excuse me, it was Sunday night. They said, you know, what's the key to spirituality? And I'm like, what's the key oh, to spirituality? Wow. Recognizing that you're not. <laughs> you know? I mean, there's the first step. I am not spiritual. I try to practice some spiritual principles, like being truthful, being honest, being friendly right being being kind uh you know but i'm not always that you know there there, there was another uh same friend of mine who talked about the good day and things that don't go my way he said jim you don't have to love everyone you know everybody thinks if i'm spiritual i'll love every he says you don't have to love everyone you just can't hate anyone 
That's, that's very true. And I think that what, where people might struggle and tell me if you agree with this is um, you do go down this path of kindness, compassion and all that. And I agree, you don't have to love everyone, but just don't hate anyone. That doesn't mean they have to be part of your circle, right? right. You push right. them out. Um, the more aware you are consciously, it can be a very um, disappointing place. So you also have to learn how to push that out because you, once yeah. you're aware and you see it, it will impact you deeply, um, especially when you see how humanity is being treated or you know whatever you're, whatever you see in the world. You can't just ignore it. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, there was a lady who got off a bus the other day, right? Um, obviously was struggling and that people were just stepping over her. So there she is laying there. They're stepping over her. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you people? So, yeah, right. right? Yeah. It pisses you off. So, right. Which isn't probably the right reaction. So you help her up and they go, oh, that's really nice that you helped her up. I said, you know what the problem is? It's not nice that you didn't help her up, you know? Right. And I think that um, you have to sort of balance expectations that we have a lot of people in this world that are very self-centered and selfish and really don't care. I'm, I'm one of those. I'm yeah. one of those. I'm selfish and self-centered. I, I, I have to practice not being that. It's almost like I got to fake it because typically I'm thinking of what I'm, I'm going to get out of it. It's, 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 it's riddled with through me as it is through everybody. And, and this, this example of the woman you gave is great because the anger that we have when we see this justice, right? Right. For me, I've recognized, it may not be true for everybody, but anytime I'm angry, something really gets under my skin, I'm in. Anger is the mask of fear. So if I can peel back this mask, usually there's something I'm afraid of. I'm going to afraid I'm losing something or I'm not going to get something I want. And it's usually a self-centered fear, this, this anger. So in that situation, when you see this woman and everybody's walking by and I get angry, what is the fear that that might happen to me one day, that everybody's going to feel that way, that, that I'm going to turn out like that. But we don't question it in ourselves deep enough. And what happens is, is the anger gets, gets pushed out to them. And this creates a cycle going, right? Because it's got to be turned in and go, why am I so angry? What am I scared about? And then I can feel the compassion, you know, the fear. Now I'm connecting with the heart space because how it's going to heal all that is the heart space. Because mm -hmm. you're not going to heal it with the logic. You're not going to heal it going to somebody and saying, do you know how insensitive you were? I mean, that's logical. Of course yeah. you were. If you right. walked in the fire, but, but they're going to go, I was not, right? And they get all defensive. Right. Now you're all triggered. And you're fired up when really what needs to happen is, you know, just if you feel like you need to help the woman, help the woman, you know, yeah. and then whatever. And if somebody else will see that act and that will may trigger an opening up in a valve of their heart space to go, oh, that was pretty kind and compassionate. Yeah. Right. So it's, really it's examples. It's examples of compassion and coming from the heart that's going to heal the mind. Yeah. And get people to see and think differently. And this is the this is uh what's happening right now today, right? I didn't think about it in that way, but you know what? You're you're absolutely right because the first reaction was anger towards how can you see a human suffering and not and just be so oblivious to it. But you're right. Um 
Yeah, there's Happy probably all day. a deeper Happy feeling. Every day, all day long. I know. All over the place. Well, we got to heal humanity, hopefully. Yeah, every sentient being, you know? Every sentient being, I agree. Don't totally step, agree. Step on the bug. So you think you'll open another studio after all of the COVID stuff's over? Or are you? I'm getting too old. Yeah. Oh, come on. No, it's, it was, well, I shouldn't say never. There's a lot of nice studios where I am now. I'm in Grass Valley, California, which is in the gold country in the Sierra yeah. Nevada foothills. And there's four or five or six yoga studios here that are all closed. And when, you know, we get a vaccine and everybody can go back out and play again, I'll probably go talk to the owner and say, hey, do you need a, a yeah, a teacher or something. Yeah. Four-year-old yoga teacher that can stand on his head with no problem that can work with, you know, you know, any age group, let me know, you know, and yeah. I'll go yoga there. But to, it was a lot of work to to start and build a community. And I bet, yeah. It's probably a lot heartbreaking too to see it, you know, to have to close that down for yeah, it was, it was it was, you know, it was heartbreaking for a lot of the students, you know, and we really liked the people that we used to practice with. Some we still do, some are doing other things but it's uh yeah it's a it's just a cycle you gotta yeah, again yeah. i gotta detach <laughs> yes you do I let go it's like okay to let go of that right anytime i'm clinging right yeah i'm, I'm resisting you know the the natural movement there's natural movement of planets and stars and galaxies and i'm clinging yeah i gotta let go of that i gotta like read i gotta read the tea leaves oh covid closed down no sense renting a yoga studio stop the rent close the studio it's not gonna right 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 makes perfect sense now, now i'm not i'm not in conflict yeah i love your thought process your practice what you're doing um i'm gonna definitely try it send me um, i'll send it to you send me the links i'll send you the link i'll send yeah. you the link pleasantonyoga.com yeah i can i can sign up too would you just sign up just sign up i'll, I'll send sign you up. Link, i'll give you, you know, a you don't have to i can i have it i'll i'll you don't have to do here's when i teach i teach i i do a recorded class every other day <clears throat> so you can just look at the recorded classes there's like 200 of them i teach monday wednesday friday at 6 a.m pacific time okay so that would be that would work that's 8 a.m your time in dallas yeah 8 a.m monday wednesday friday and then Sunday at nine o'clock Pacific time. Okay. So that's 11 o'clock your time. And Monday night at 5.45 Pacific time. Okay. Those, are my, those are my five live stream classes. Okay. You come to any one of those. I'll turn my video on though so you can see. Yeah, the morning classes are really fun. There's usually about you know, 16, 20 people that come to class and it's great. Perfect. Anybody, fun. anybody on the call? Yeah, we'll get them. Okay, great. Well, it was such a pleasure. We, did, we covered a lot of ground. We did. We did. We a lot of ground. It was fun. It's always fun chatting with you. So namaste means the, the, the life that's in my heart acknowledges the light in your heart is the same light. Namaste. Namaste. All right. Okay. Great. Thanks, Lisa. You're awesome. Yeah. Okay, so are you. Until next time. Mm. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Okay, I got to figure out how to turn this off. Oh, there we go. Bye.